Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Thank you. Glory to God. God is good, isn't He? I mean, he's good most of the time anyway, huh? No, He's good all the time, isn't He? Praise the Lord. I'll tell you, this is a, this is a weird thing that happened to me. I, I put this down. I've been pastoring 30 years, 9 months, 16 days, 10 hours, and 53 minutes. I mean, who's counting? But what I'm saying is, I have never done this before, but I, I, I leave my office yesterday. We were about to go home, change, and come here. And I'm in a hurry, and I look, and the American flag, had, the wind had hit, the northern, this front had hit. And it had broken the top off the American flag. We have the Christian American Texas flag out there. So I thought, man, I can't leave with the American flag hanging down like that. So I go back and I, and I let the rope down and I fix it. And I get back in my truck and I leave. And we get into the hotel last night. And I, I said, Cheryl, I didn't bring my Bible. <laughs> I didn't bring my iPad. Didn't bring my Bible. I didn't bring anything. And then last night, Pastor Rusty comes up and asks me to... You probably saw that look on my face. I'm like, help me, Lord, you know. And so Cheryl had her iPad, so I put a few things down, and, and she took off the girly-looking part of it, but I told her it didn't make any difference, really. But anyway, what I want to do this morning, and, and I'll be brief in doing so as much as possible, but he asked me to, <laughs> he asked me to talk about the, some of the things that I've had to go through as far as physically and everything, and, and you know what? It caught me by surprise at that part because I don't talk about that. I don't talk about it because uh, I don't want to give it any place. You know, I, I really, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the words of your mouth and, and that death and life is in the power of the tongue. And, and so I, I, I was a little hesitant even after I left last night because I don't like to talk about some of the things that, that even though, thank God, I, I have the victory over. So, so I'm going to... Let me say this before I really get into this. I, I thank you, Father, right now that some of the things that I say are only going to be something that, that I can say to help someone else to see what I've overcome through the blood of the Lamb, through the words of my testimony. And no way do I accept or receive or expect any of these things to, uh, to, to come into my body, to try to control my body, because I know greater is he that is in me that in he that is in the world. But in everything and anything that I say today, it'll give you all the praise and it'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Just needed to straighten that out right off. You know, let the devil know I'm not up here to, to exalt him in any kind of a way. But anyway, in, in, uh, two, in the year 2000, I started having problems with my vision. And Cheryl and I were actually looking, we, were, we went out to look at a house, a place that we had thought about maybe buying, and I looked up a ways, and, and I saw a tree there, and I'd already seen it. But when I came back out the second time, I looked, and I saw two trees. And there was like one here and one here. And I asked Cheryl, I said, is there two trees up there or one? She said, where? And I said, right up there. She said, hello, <laughs> just one. I said, well, I'm seeing two. And so I started seeing double, and that was one of the signs that uh, something wasn't right. Well, then I started... Uh, having leg weakness. I got where I could, had a hard time getting up out of a chair and things like that. And then my hands started just acting weird, you know, and 
when I would do this, my fingers would do crazy things, you know, they just wouldn't function right. So anyway, I started going to a neurologist to try to find out what was wrong. Some of them thought I had a brain tumor and it was pressing against something, doing this, that, or the other, and had all the tests done. And uh, ended up being diagnosed with a disease called myasthenia gravis. I don't know if any of you have heard of that, but it's called MG. It's, a same, it's, in, it's uh, in the same family with uh, uh, MS and, and the different, different kinds of neurological things like that. Same devil, but, you know, different, different initials, you know. But uh, myasthenia gravis is called, it basically means grave muscle weakness. And so some of the uh, doctors told me what all I could expect. And uh, they said I could expect to lose my sight. Uh, I could expect to get where I couldn't speak properly, uh, confined to a wheelchair, breathing problems, choking, and uh, you know what? I've experienced every one of those things, every one of them, multiple times, but I never expected to. Come on, I didn't expect to. You know, the enemy, the, the enemy will, would remind me of what the doctor said. Now, you know they said that you could expect this, but I didn't expect to, uh, you know, because I wasn't going to give them or anyone else final say in my life. You know, I knew what the Word of God said. I've been preaching the Word a long time, preaching faith, preaching the Word. I knew what the Word of God said, and I expected it to work mightily in me. How about y'all? Amen? But, you know, uh, uh, I, I have had a lot of symptoms. Uh, sometimes my hands wouldn't operate properly, and, and uh, I'd have to give Cheryl my water bottle to open it. I couldn't open a water bottle. Now, days that, that things were working good, I could twist it in half because I'm normally a pretty strong guy. And, uh, but because I've, I've worked hard on my life and I, you know, I, I, I didn't know how to deal with weakness. I didn't know how to deal with my legs not working right and all those kind of things. And so as I started having all those different kinds of symptoms, it's like the enemy would just, you know, just be preaching in my head. You know, he said, they said you could expect this. And, you know, they told you, you just got to learn how to live with it. Just going, you know, they tell you that. Isn't that sweet? You're just going to have to learn how to live with it, you know, and there's, there's nothing much we can do about it for you. We can give you some medication that will help, but basically you just have to learn how to live with it. Well, I knew enough about the Word of God to know I didn't have to learn how to live with it. Amen. I, what I had to do was learn how to overcome it and, and not live with it. I didn't expect these things to happen to me. But, you know, when the symptoms would come, instantly you begin to think about what man said. And uh, thank God for doctors. Thank God for medicines. But you know what? They don't have the final say. And they, they might say, you know, that there's nothing else that can be done. Well, what they should say, there's just nothing else you can do. But that doesn't mean that there's not something God can do. Amen? So I had to make up my mind to refuse those symptoms to, to control me, knowing who I was in Christ. I, I wouldn't allow them to have final say. Uh, in 2008, Cheryl was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I was going through a lot of really tough symptoms in that time. And then on top of that, then she gets diagnosed with breast cancer. And so we had to go through all of that. And I asked her a while ago, and I said, how many chemo treatments did you have in somewhere 16 to 18 chemo treatments? Then she went through 32 radiation treatments. But you know what she did? She just wrote a book <laughs> about the goodness of God. 
about the glory of God. Amen. And so, you know, the enemy is always trying to take out people that's trying to do something for God, but he's constantly losing. He just constantly loses. Amen. Uh, it was a tough thing that whenever she was going through what she had to go through. And one of the toughest things, I guess, that I had to do, a couple of things really, but one particularly was when she, her hair started coming out and she was told, you know, that would happen and at some point, you know, she could just go and, and have it just shaved off, you know, cut off. I didn't want her to do that. I, I just didn't want her to have to go somewhere publicly to get that done. And I said, why don't, why don't you just let me do that? And so we decided that's what we'd do. So, so I had some clippers, and we didn't want to do it in the house, so we went out to the barn. <laughs> and, I, and I plugged the clippers in, and she was, I said, sit here in this chair. And, and she was sitting there, and I'd hit the clipper, and she'd take off running. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, well, if you don't want to do it right now, you know, it was hard. I mean, we're laughing about it now. And we even said then, you know, we'll laugh about this someday. <laughs> But not today. And and she came back and she had sat down. I'd start them up and she'd take off again. And uh, I said, Cheryl, these clippers are only, you know, like a four-foot card. I can't chase you. And uh, so finally I said, Let, let's just don't do it right now. She said, no, I got to get it done. And I said, okay, well, just, just sit there and I'm going to turn them on and I'm just going to leave them on a second. So I turned them on and r without warning, I just kind of went up onto her head. And I said, okay, we got to do something now. <laughs> We messed it up. So, so we, we went through that. But you know what? We went through it together. We went through it crying. We had tears of laughter and tears of, you know, sometimes it was tears of joy. Sometimes it, it wasn't so much that. And then she went through some times where she had to have shots, and, and I was giving her shots and things like that. But I'm just saying this to let you know that, you know, you might be on track and you might be living for God and everything's going great, but, you know, sometimes the enemy can hit you with a blind shot. You know, he'll hit you on the blind side. He'll hit you with things sometimes that, man, you didn't, you wasn't ready for that. And so she writes this book on what to do if it happens to you. I declare it's not going to happen to you, but you better know what to do if something does happen to you because, you know, life does happen. Praise God. And then that was 2008. Well, 2009, uh, I have a motorcycle wreck. And uh, that's coming up November the 1st, actually. will be, what, eight years, I guess. And uh, me and two friends, we were, we were riding our motorcycles after church one Sunday. Beautiful day, fall, autumn day. And we were riding, and I had a bigger bike than them, so I'd been ahead of them, you know, kind of showing out a little bit that I can outrun you and nothing you can do about it, you know. Well, then, then we, get, we get to this place where we're going to go through a country road and come back out toward my house. And I told the guys, I said, y'all go ahead. I'm just going to kind of just put along behind y'all enjoy the day. And, I mean, I remember I was just praising the Lord. I was saying, God, I thank you so much for a beautiful day that you made and so forth. And, and uh, having issues with my eyes, uh, the sun was flickering through some trees. And uh, I, I looked ahead, and I, I knew there was a left-hand curve. And, you know, on a motorcycle, uh, curves are okay unless you don't make them. <laughs> and... Uh, I didn't, I, I, I don't know what happened. I was going along and the sun was flickering in my, in my eyes. And the next thing I remember, I, I remember looking down thinking, why is my bike in the dirt? And that's the last thing I remember. So I didn't make the curve and I don't, I don't really know what happened. I guess I, I hit the ditch, but uh, I woke up and, and I began to feel something and it felt like barbed wire. 
and I thought, because I thought I was in bed, I thought I was at the house asleep. And so I, I thought, why is there barbed wire in my bed? And then I opened my eyes, and I was laying under a fence. So it had thrown me from the road all the way to a fence. And then there was a tree, six inch or so, big around tree, right beside me. And I found out later, evidently, I'd hit that tree. So someone came by and saw me and called the ambulance. And two buddies of mine finally came back to check on me, and, and all that happened. And anyway, um, it, it ended up being a situation where it should have took me out. He tried to take me. He shot his best shot, but he lost again. And uh, anyway, I ended up with a, with a concussion, a brain bleed. Um, what else do I have? Three broken ribs, punctured lung, broken shoulder blade, and broken ankle. And other than that, man, I was good, you know. I've, no, really, I didn't, have, I, didn't, I didn't have a cut anywhere. I didn't want to have one spot of blood on me anywhere. And my, my windshield on my bike, it, it totaled my bike, and it didn't have it like 40-some-odd miles on it. It was brand new. Man. And, and so it, it totaled my bike, and, and, and there were jagged places all over that windshield where evidently I flew over that thing. didn't touch me anywhere, man. But, but I'm just telling you this stuff to let you know that, that God can get you through anything. He can help you through anything. You know, he, the enemy tries to take us out, but he lost. We're still here. Glory to God. And, and if, if, if I could give you a few scriptures, because I, 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 he said he wanted me to give you some things to, that, that's helped us to stand and continue to stand. Lamentations uh, chapter 3 and verse 23, and particularly that last part of that. It says, they are new every morning, and this is the part I want you to see. And great is your faithfulness. Oh, don't you love that? How many know that God is faithful? If he spoke it, he can do it. If he said it, I'm telling you right now, he can bring it to pass. Great is his faithfulness. And then another scripture in Proverbs 28, 20. Uh, it says, a faithful man. Somebody shout, that's me. A faithful man will abound with blessings. But he who hastens to be rich will not uh, go unpunished. But a faithful man. Somebody shout, I'm a faithful man. I'm a faithful person to God. And you know what we've learned through this thing is we had to stay faithful. And you know why we could stay faithful? Because we knew the God we serve was faithful. But because he is a faithful God, he can expect faithfulness from us. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what kind of problems you're facing right now. The key is you stay faithful. You stay faithful, glory to God. I didn't mention a while ago when they told me that I could expect to be in a wheelchair. And, and usually during the summer months and so forth when the weather's not real cold, I've got a bicycle, not, not a motorcycle. I went from a motorcycle to a bicycle. But I ride that bicycle five and six miles at least five days a week. And sometimes I'm riding it and I just go to shouting and praising God because I said, they expected me to be in a wheelchair. That would be a wheel on the left and a wheel on the right. Instead, I got a wheel in front and a wheel in the back. Glory to God. You know, sometimes you just got to let the devil know you're not going to lay down and take it. You're going to rise up and do because God greater. Listen, it's not just something we say. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And then Hebrews 10, 23. Man, I love, I love this. Hebrews 10, 23 says, 
Let us hold fast the confession, the confession or the profession of our hope or of our faith without wavering, without wavering. You see, the enemy try to get you to waver. But no, you're not going to waver. You're going to hold fast the confession of your faith and your hope without wavering. Why? How can you do that? Because he who promised, he is faithful. Somebody shout, God is faithful. Regardless what you're dealing with today, I want you to understand God is faithful. Glory to God. And then verse 35, if you would. He says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has what? It's got what? It's got great reward, glory to God. The Message Bible, did, did you have that in the Message Bible? Okay. Could we have it in the Message Bible? <laughs> it said, remember those early days after you first saw the light? Those, who, those were the hard times kicked around in public, targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile. I don't know where all we're going with that. I wanted to go to, um, I'm reading that and I'm thinking, what is it? Do we have, do we have verse uh, 35 on there? Is it on there? Am I going to keep reading? Somebody started out. Where is it? We're going to click this thing then, aren't we? No? Okay. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, if you live where I live, you shoot them, right? But no, you let them go with a smile. No. That's what we tell people around where I live. We don't lock this door for us. Y'all can figure that out. Knowing they, they couldn't touch your real treasure, nothing they did bothered you, nothing set you back. Glory to God. Nothing sets you back. You ought to declare by now and then, nothing sets me back. Nothing is going to set me back. Praise God. Now, how much of that did we use? Is there some more to that? Well, we didn't get it all then. All right, go to Hebrews... Um, did I tell y'all Hebrews 10, 23? Did I tell you Hebrews 10, 35? Don't cast away your confidence. That's when we went to the message Bible and messed up everything right there, right? What about verse 36? How about verse 36? What about in the New King James Version, verse 36? There it says that you have need of endurance. I told you I didn't have my Bible. It says there that for you have need of, you, you need this now. I know you don't like it, but you need this. You, you have need of endurance because even when you stand in faith, it doesn't mean that it's like add water and stir and it's instant. Sometime having done all to stand, you got to keep on standing and, and then you just keep on standing 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 and then you just keep on standing, glory to God. So sometime, I know you don't like it, I don't like it either, but sometime you need endurance, you need faith, uh, patience so that, so that, so that 
Here's why. So that after you have done the will of God, after, somebody shout after. See, after you have done the will of God, then after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise, glory to God. But you have need of endurance. You have need of patience so that after you've done what God's told you to do, after you declare who you are in Christ over and over and over and over, but you keep doing that because we don't grow weary while doing good. Because in due season, somebody shout, I have a season that's due. Because in due season, you shall reap if you don't quit, if you don't faint, if you don't lose heart, if you stay with God, God will stay with you. Hallelujah. The Message Bible says stay with God's plan for promised completion. It won't be long. He's on his way. He could show up anytime. Glory to God. And that's what I stand on anytime. He could show up anytime. Right now, while I'm up here ministering this word to you, he can show up in me anytime. I'm expecting. You want to know what I'm expecting? I'm expecting him to show up anytime. I want you to start expecting God to show up anytime. And then I'll close with Romans 4. Romans 4 and 19. Oh, I know what y'all know what it says, but man, it sure is good. Amen? Amen. Did I mention I didn't have my Bible? I was. <laughs> but we're going to get there in just a moment. There it is. Now look at this. And not being what? Somebody shout, I'm not weak in faith. You can be weak, though, because it says not being weak. So obviously you could be weak, but, but I'm not weak. I'm not weak in my faith. Are you weak in your faith? But if you are weak in your faith, we, you know, we can help you if you are. And not being weak in faith, this is talking about Abraham, he did not consider his own body. Sometimes you've got to get to a place you don't take into consideration the attack. You, you don't take into consideration how you feel. Man, if I took into consideration how I felt, I wouldn't be here right now. This morning before we left, I went to having every symptom they said I could have. Man, my hands went to acting funny. I was shaking like crazy, and it wasn't because I was scared. <laughs> and, 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 man, I couldn't hardly get around. And, and, and so we just, you know, Cheryl was in there praying for me, and I just started praying in the Holy Ghost, praising God and everything. Because, see, he says not being weak in faith, you don't consider it. You don't consider it, glory to God. And he didn't consider his own body uh, now dead, uh, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. See, he was about 100 years old. He, he didn't even consider that. How many of y'all would take that in consideration? But he didn't even consider that. Now look at, uh, where did I say go now? Just go on to the next verse, be fine. He didn't waver. He didn't waver at the promise of God. Through what? You see, when you start wavering, you're, you're getting into unbelief. Because as long as you believe, you won't waver. But if you start wavering, it's because you're getting into unbelief. But if your faith is strong, you won't have to waver. Because if your faith is strong, you won't get into unbelief. And so he says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? He was what? Strengthened. So you can strengthen your faith. You can strengthen your faith. Glory to God. 
How many of y'all like to strengthen your faith in here today? Well, you can strengthen your faith. How am I going to do it? Giving glory to God. Hallelujah. And so that's what I'm up here for today. I needed my faith strengthened. So I'm up here giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. Giving praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords because he's worthy. He is worthy of all glory. He's worthy of all praise. We magnify you, Jesus, and exalt your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that if you spoke it, you can do it. If you said it, you can bring it to pass. So he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to his God. Y'all, can y'all stand the last verse? Verse 21. And being fully convinced, fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Glory to God. Somebody shout, he's able to perform everything that he has promised in his word. He's able. He's able. He is able. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank God we serve a God that's able. He's able. And that problem you're dealing with, he's able to get you out of that thing, to get you through that thing. Don't you forget the greater one that's on the inside of you than he that's in the world. You know, life happens, doesn't it? Life happens. I mean, man, it does rain on the just and the unjust. But you've got to remember, you've got a God that will never leave you, never forsake you. He's a good, good father. Man, he sure is good to us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody shout. My God, my God. Now, when I was praying about these morning meetings, the Lord spoke to me about this morning and, and about Pastor Lloyd getting up and doing that. And, he, and the Lord spoke to me, and I didn't say this to anybody. He said, I'm going to show you the impossible. And so I was like, what does that mean? I remember being in a meeting that I was preaching, and, and Pastor Lloyd came, him and Cheryl came, were at the meeting. And he had a, you had a, like a, a, a deal over your glasses. And, and uh, uh, I walked up and, and said something or something like that. And he said to me, is that you, Rusty? And I said, yeah, Lloyd, it's me, and shook his hand and everything like that. He could, I was standing that close to him. He couldn't hardly see me. Did you see him reading off that screen? Those diseases don't regress. They progress till they kill you. And that was probably five or six years ago that you were wearing that deal on your glasses. And then here he is. When he stood up and turned and started reading that screen, the Lord says, there it is right there. 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 There's the impossible right there happening right in front of our eyes. Somebody ought to shout. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. I tell you, it's such an inspiration to me. Every time I'm around him, every time I see him, every time I'm around him, I'm telling the devil's tried to kill him and he has stood in faith, believed God, refused to be sick. You know, sometimes you just got to refuse it. You say, what do you mean? When you're hurting, you get up and go do what you're supposed to do. Or when there's symptoms in your body, you act like there's not. 
Come on, so many, so many people are moved by what they feel or what they hear. I remember fighting malaria back in the early 90s and, and standing in meetings, probably in Lloyd and Cheryl's church and Randy and Linda's church, other churches, and being so sick. Just the symptoms of my body were so bad. Going back to hotel rooms, rolling up in the blankets, sh- shaking and shivering, but never canceling a meeting. I mean, flying back then was horrible. I was always congested, always had sinus problems. I mean, it was absolutely horrible to get on an airplane and fly. But I just kept acting like I was healed. It wasn't presumption. It was the Word of God that gave me the strength and the ability. And the same thing is working in Pastor Lloyd, and I'm telling you, it's working in him. And it's working in him, and it'll work in you the same way. Come on, lift your hands and just worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. We thank you. Oh, we, Let's just pick that up in Romans. Let's just pick that up. Let's pick that up in Romans. Abraham, verse 4, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now notice this, was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Now notice those three Ps in there. I call them the three Ps. Fully persuaded, promised, and performed. Now there's, there's where we get into problems. God is in the process of bringing full persuasion into your life. A lot of people, you know, and I, I so thank God, and we've seen it. One thing about uh, Lloyd and Cheryl's church, every time we used to hold meetings there, that place was more conducive to miracles than I think than any place I ever went. I mean, we saw miracles, signs and wonders. And listen, we weren't on a, a great crusade in Africa or so. I mean, we were right there in old country, Buffalo, Texas. And signs and wonders and miracles and the power of God. I love that. I love what, what, what Christopher showed us yesterday, the, the blind eyes and all that. But listen, we as believers are called to live by faith. Amen. I said we as believers are called to live by faith. And, and, and many times that's what we do. Oh, it's great to have instantaneous things take place. I remember one time I was called up by Brother Hagen and he ministered to me. I'd had problems with my throat for literally the whole time I'd been in the ministry. And he picked me right out, called me up, prayed for me, never had any problems since then. That's just one thing. Out of all the other things I've had to fight, that was the only thing that was instantaneous in my life. Everything else I had to do exactly what Lloyd was saying. I had to stand in faith. I had to believe God. And I had to go through the process of persuasion and fully being fully persuaded. It is the point at full persuasion that God performs. But you've got to notice the other P that's in there. It's the promises of God. That's the only thing. It's not a great testimony. Thank God for testimonies that are inspirational. It is the Word of God. That is the only thing that can fully persuade you. That's why you've got to live in the Word. You've got to stay in the Word. You've got to read the Word, meditate on the Word, confess the Word, worship, praise, use the Word of God in everything that you do. The Word of God in your mouth, coming out of your mouth, I guarantee you that is the most powerful force against what you're going through. Being fully persuaded. But here's the point I wanted to go back to. He read it. Staggered not at the promise of God, through unbelief, was strong in faith. Now notice this next portion. Giving glory to God. Now notice chapter 5 verse 1. Then then being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Everybody say stand. Now it's talking about the previous chapter. It's saying this grace... Wherein we stand. God wants to give you a grace to stand. Amen? There is a dimension of grace. Now let me just give you a little example. This year we'll complete seven years being in a building program. 
As far as I'm concerned, that's a long time. Amen. You know, Galveston's in a, unique, in a unique place. It's a little different. But that, doesn't, that hasn't dissuaded me in any way of what my faith is. Actually, I'm stronger in faith today than I was seven years ago. That, that promise of God in my spirit is not any less to me today. It's stronger in me than it ever was. And one of the reasons is, is because of the faith that I had in me was strengthened by giving glory to God. By giving glory to God. So we go back to chapter 5 and it talks about by whom we have access, by faith, into this grace through our Lord Jesus Christ, wherein we stand, now notice the next word, and rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Now notice this, in hope, that's expectancy of what? The glory of God, which is what? The glory of God is that which is experienced, that which is tangible. That's when the symptoms leave. That's when the doctor says we can't find the tumor. That's when the check comes in the mail. That's when whatever it is that God performs is performed. That is the glory of God. But now notice these words that, that we, that, that, that he gave glory to God, that we rejoice in the hope. Then the very next scripture, and not only so, now here's the key. I saw this years ago. I heard a man preaching on this particular scripture. His subject was, was patience. I was driving to preaching a camp meeting in, in Corpus Christi, Texas. I was down uh, around Palacios, making that run from Palacios into Rockport. That's a, just a long ribbon of highway right there. And a, and a guy on the radio was preaching out of Romans chapter 5 and was preaching on patience. And the subject of his message was, when God wants to give you patience, he's going to bring great tribulation into your life. And as he preached it, the more he preached it, the madder I got. I'm telling you, he had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, but he was using this scripture and he was saying, you know, I'm telling you, it says right here and all this, you know, he was just using all kinds of accolades and all kinds of examples of his own life and, and all the garbage he had gone through and how that produced this patience in his life. And I just kept, I kept shouting at the, at, the, at the radio, that's not right. That's, and I pulled over. I remember I pulled over at the, at, the, uh, at the Rod and Gun Club right before you go over the bridge at Rod Park, Texas. I pulled over, got in the back of my car, and got my Bible out. And I started reading these scriptures, and I literally, God gave me a word out of this right here. And I preached it in that camp meeting. And it begins in verse 3. It says, not only so, but we, now this is the key, glory in tribulation. Now this is where we're missing it. You say, what do you mean? The person in the worst predicament in this building this morning ought to be the person that's shouting the loudest. Come on. That's running around the church, that's jumping up and down, that's magnifying God, that if you looked at their outward worship, you'd never know what's going on inward in their life. Now, you got to understand the devil's a bully. And he'll hit you a lick with a disease or a cancer or a financial situation. He'll hit you a lick. And what he is looking for is your response. He wants to see if you're going to cower just like any other bully does. If you've ever stood up to a bully and a bully has hit you and you bowed up and went back at him, most of them cower and run. 
I had a bully in our school when I was in the seventh, seventh grade. I went to a brand new school, V.W. Miller, and it was a brand new school, and there was a guy that I was hoping would not transfer to that school because he was a bully. He picked on me in the fifth grade, the sixth grade, and there he showed up, seventh grade football practice, and there he was. And I tell you, I didn't like him. I was scared of him, and he bullied me. He'd push me around. He'd do all this kind of stuff. And one day at the bus stop, he pushed me too far. And I bowed up, and I thought to myself, if I'm going to get beat up by this guy, because that's what the threat was for years. I'm going to beat you up. If I'm going to get beat up by this guy, he's going to know he's been in a fight. And when he turned, he said something to me, and when he turned his head, I thought, you did it now. I sucker punched him so hard, and he hit the ground, and he got up running. You say, why? My posture had changed. My attitude had changed. Every time he bullied me in the fifth grade, the sixth grade, I would cower. I would, I would run from him. I would, I would, uh, he could see the tear in my, but that one day when he turned his face, I, I'd had it. That was enough. I popped him. He went down and he got up running. And you know what I did? I ran after him. I ran after him and jumped on his back. By that time, the crowd had gathered. There was, it was, it was a, people at the bus. The crowd had gathered. I jumped on him and began to just go. And finally, a friend of mine, Kenny Williams, pulled me off of him. And from that day till, I, till we moved together, that guy was my best friend. Everywhere I went, he was like, like this around me. You say, why? Because I just had had it. There comes a time in your life when you've gotten the doctor's report, when your finances are at the bottom, when you've got to make a decision, this stuff is real. God is real. My faith is real. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to begin to glory in my tribulation. Right in the middle of the worst problem of my life, I'm going to put my hands up. I'm going to begin to shout to God. I'm going to begin to magnify God. I tell you, that's why I wanted Lloyd to get up today because I knew he'd get, he, you could tell when the preach got on him, couldn't you? And he just began to glory. And you can see that anointing come down upon him. Well, listen, that's just an example to the rest of us. Now, notice this. We glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation, it does not produce patience. It worketh patience. That's where that guy on the radio was wrong. He said God will give you tribulation in order to give you patience. But the Bible says, when we be, now notice this, when we begin to glory in tribulation, it puts your patience to work. Now, what is patience? Now, 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 I know we've heard teaching, but in reality, patience is a cheerful endurance with consistency. Now, we've all had this happen, every one of us. Pastors especially. We run into people that come to the church, and, and you run into them, you see them, they haven't been in church in a month, they haven't been in church in six weeks, and, and you, you, know, you run into them at the store out in the street somewhere, and you, and you ask them, you know, where have you been? And they say, oh, well, you know, I know we hadn't been in church, but, you know, we've really been going through something. You ever met somebody like that? You know, we, we've really been going through some things, and, and you know, uh, we're gonna come, we'll be back in church, but, you know, we've really, now let me tell you what that is. See, I know what that is? That is stupid. Now, I don't like to use that word because that's really not a good word. But that is stupid. 
You say, why is that? Number one, it shows they don't have any cheerful endurance with consistency. You say, what do you mean? There are times when you just got to come. I saw that over in John chapter 20. That woman that came to that empty tomb, it says at the, at the, at the first day of the week, when it was still dark, at a day in my life when I was so discouraged, I'm telling you, it didn't look like anything was working. It didn't look like any doors were open. God gave me that scripture. It said, and, and the first day of the week, when it was still dark, cometh Mary Magdalene. You say, what do you mean? I'm telling you, in the darkness of your life, what does it take to get you to quit coming? Not just coming to church, but coming to God in prayer every day, coming to the Word of God, to quit praying in the Spirit, to quit tithing, to quit offering. I tell you, the enemy will try you out to try to see what it takes to get you to quit coming. But I made a decision, I'm not going to quit coming. I'm going to keep coming to my prayer closet. I'm going to keep coming to my to the Word of God. I'm going to keep coming to church. I, if all i got to do if, is be the janitor. The Bible says, I'd rather, David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at the house of the Lord than to reign in the courts of my enemies. Come on, church. You just got to keep coming. That patience, that cheerful endurance with consistency is activated at times like this when you begin to glory in your tribulation, when you begin to worship God, when you begin to magnify God, when everything in you says it ain't working, it's not going to happen, when the devil is raging in your mind and you make a decision, I don't care what you say, devil, I'm going to shout, I'm going to magnify God, I'm going to glorify God, I'm going to exalt his name. Your patience steps up and clocks in. And she is a master. Notice it, it talks about her, uh, the let, let patience have her perfect work. It talks about her in the feminine. I see her as a maid. She comes in with a mop to clean up your emotions. Amen? Because you go through things, folks, I'm going to tell you, there is some emotion connected to trial and tribulation. And you've got to have patience, step in, and begin to mop up those tears of self-pity, mop up those pity parties, to begin to show you you're going to get through this. And then that cheerful endurance begins to take hold in you and consistency begins to manifest. Financially, uh, you know, we want people blessed. We get, Lee and I get up and teach on tithing and offering and, and the statistics in churches are dire when it comes to tithing and offering. But I'm telling you, there were times when Lee and I had nothing left. And when the money would come in, the first thing we would do with tithe, the first thing we would, we always put God first financially. We always made a decision. Doesn't make any difference what's going on in our money. We're going to stay consistent with the Word of God. If we can't, if the choice is pay the rent and get kicked out or tithe, we're going to tithe. You say, well, you can't live like that. We've lived like that for 31 years. And God has blessed us. You've got to have some consistency in you. And, you know, these trends in churches that are going on. Oh, my God, I want to get off on that. But, you know, people, people just want to come to church on Sunday morning. And, well, you know, if you do, if you do any uh, extended services where nobody wants to come. or nobody, Well, that's, you know, you're here on Monday morning. That's not talking about you. But so many people are like that. There's a spirit of apathy and complacency that gets into the heart of people where they literally begin to go through something and they begin to forsake the very thing that will help them go through it. You would 
wouldn't do that medically. I mean, if you got, if you were uh, fell down in the parking lot and broke your leg, say, well, call the ambulance. We need to rush, rush him up to the hospital. Oh no, I'm too hurt to go to the hospital. Well, we'd check your head. Amen. If we were to, you know, go to lunch and, the, and there you hadn't eaten in four days, and we say, would you like to go? Oh, I'm too hungry to go to lunch. I'm too hungry to eat. I always used to use the example of, example of women, you know, being too ugly to go to the beauty salon, but I quit using that one. <laughs> Leah made me quit using that one. But I'm telling you, patience is a fruit of the Spirit, the recreated Spirit. And it must go to work for you, and it is activated by your willingness to glory in a tribulation. Tribulation work with patience, and patience experience. Now let me say this. I don't know where the phrase comes from, experience is the best teacher. But that is not true. Thank God for there is experience that we need, experience that helps us uh, gain wisdom. But experience is not the best teacher. Jesus is the best teacher. The Word of God is the best teacher. Revelation is the best teacher. And there's revelation in the Word of God that will keep you from some experiences. So in studying this scripture, I asked the Lord, I said, what does this mean? Patience, experience. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, that's your resume. What's your resume look like? What's your resume look like? What's your resume? Every time you go through something, do you, do you have a big, uh, uh, a big letdown, a big setback, and, and always ended up having to do something other than seeing the supernatural of God manifest? Amen. Listen, God wants to build into your life, whether you're a pastor or an evangelist or a minister or just a church member, God wants you to have this spiritual resume that began on the moment of your new birth where you got born again, where you got filled with the Holy Ghost, and then it just, just like a resume for a job, it comes down. You know, starting, starting in the 80s. Here, here the enemy tried to attack you with this disease, but you stood in faith and were healed. And here, here in, in 92, the enemy attacked your finances. You even went through a bankruptcy, but now you are here you are blessed than you've ever been. And here you are in 94, the enemy attacked your mind and tried to bring depression into your life, but you stood on the Word of God and you went through about three months of suffering, but you wouldn't back off, you wouldn't quit, you kept praying in tongues and you got your breakthrough and the enemy hadn't been able to torment you with depression since then. Come on, church. And then some little, some little quirk rose up in you that used to be part of your past life and you resisted it and you stood against it and in the name of Jesus, that thing was broken, that iniquity was broken out of your flesh and soul and now here you are delivered and serving God today. And you came down through the 90s and into 2000 and we didn't all die in 2000. Amen. We kept serving God, and then 2005 and 2008, Ike didn't kill us. 2010, and our resume just keeps building and building and building and building. I love the way Brother Osteen used to describe it. He said, here come the little demons. Here come the little demons. They're coming down your block. Here they come. And they look at this house and said, oh, yeah, we went over there last week, and we just tormented them and made them sick and, and messed with them. And we went over this, this little house over there, and we went this house over here and this apartment over there, and oh, they just, they just they received everything we put in their mind. He said, but we went to this one house over there, and they were praying in the Holy Ghost. And they were praying, and they were playing CDs and listening to podcasts and rejoicing and shouting and blessing God. And we couldn't get into their house. Their resume was too strong. God wants you to have some experience in your life. Some things on your resume that proves that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the earth. 
I love the resume of Lloyd and Cheryl. I love their resume. I love the resume of some of you others that have stood in faith, believed God, and here we are in 2017, and you're still here. And you're reading off the screen and not seeing double. And patience, experience, and experience hope. Everybody say hope. Now, just like there's two kinds of faith, there's two kinds of hope. Now, now, Pastor Sam can probably relate to this, and maybe some of you others that grew up in the area. Years ago, my best example for, for, for human hope moved and went to Tennessee. But years ago, I grew up here in Houston. We used to have a team here called the Houston Oilers. Love you, Blue. How many remember that? And every year, there was this, somebody would make this statement, I hope the Houston Oilers win the Super Bowl this year. Now, you that know what I'm talking about can hear in that statement an element of doubt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They never did. And every year, every year you know, they seemed like they would get so close and the... Bum Phillips and Earl Campbell days and all that. I mean, they'd get right to the, to the last inch line and just couldn't get over, you know. And so every, every defeat would make, would make the hope even more negative. Now, that's how human hope is. Human hope is always mixed with an element of doubt. I mean, you could get on the, uh, maybe you had a, an outdoor activity planned for Saturday, and you get on the, uh, you look at the weather channel or one of the weather prognosticators, and it says, you know, there's going to be an 80% chance of rain on Saturday, and you've got a, a picnic planned or an outing planned, and so you say, well, you know, I guess we we'll, we'll, we'll won't cancel it, but, you know, I really hope it doesn't rain. Now, you can, you can hear an element of unbelief in that. An element of doubt in that. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about spiritual hope. Actually, in the Greek, this is the word elpis. Everybody say elpis. No, not Elvis. Elpis. Amen. That means a cheerful expectancy. An expectation of a glorious outcome. And the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so many people in the body of Christ, I, I, I found this out in teaching on faith for years, that it's really not your faith the adversary is after. It is your hope. It is the expectancy that comes before faith takes hold. Because the Bible calls hope the anchor of your soul. And if the enemy can attack your hope, then your soul is going to drift out into unbelief and your soul is the way you think, the way you act, and the way you feel. No wonder the enemy attacks hope. Because if he gets you hope, he's got your faith. I've told this story for years, but it happened to me, so I keep telling it. Leah, we believed God for a child, and, and Leah was pregnant with Breland, and we went to our first doctor visit. I remember our first doctor. We went, and uh, it was up in the Clear Lake area. We're driving home. And Leah wants to stop at Lowe's and Sher uh, uh, how do you say it? Sherwin-Williams. Paints, there's paint stores. Lowe's had paint. And so I, I, I said, why? And she said, well, I want to look at colors to paint the baby's room. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, you know. So we went and looked at colors. So, you know, the, the, the weeks turned into months, and, and they kept on going. And so uh, she had all this stuff that I needed to do. I had to 
do this and do that. And she even, I haven't even had to plant some kind of grass in the yard because it was softer. She didn't want the baby crawling on this rough grass. And so one day in prayer, I went to, to, to my heavenly father and complained to him about his daughter. We've had a great marriage, right? And one of, the, one of the reasons we had a great marriage is because when I married Leah, I married God's daughter. That might have healed about five marriages right there. So I started complaining. I said, your daughter is driving me up the wall. I said, I'm out here trying to build a ministry and preach the gospel and be a blessing to people and pray and intercede. And she wants me to plant grass and paint rooms and, and do this and do that. And, do that. and the Lord spoke to me and said, the problem you have is that you don't realize she is expecting. And I said, what? Lord, I realize she's, she said, no, you don't realize she's expecting. And I even tried to throw in the we, you know, we're expecting. And the Lord spoke to me, no, you, you're not expecting. <laughs> By then, you know, Leah was getting big and, 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 and so I said, Lord, I, I'm not getting you. So I just kept praying. The Lord said, no, you don't understand. She's expecting. She's expecting. You're not expecting. You're just waiting around. I'm telling you exactly what the Lord told me. You're not expecting. You're just waiting around. Then he got real specific. He said, there's nothing in you, but there's something in her. And what's in her is growing, so she's preparing for its arrival. Come on. He said, what do you mean by that? Something was in her that was growing, so she was doing everything she could do because she knew because of what was on the inside of her that what? The exact scripture that Lloyd quoted out of Galatians. Amen. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Amen? You got to quote that part because I'm telling you, God is not mocked. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. For in due season, in due season, you have a due date. If there is something in you, if you're carrying something in the Spirit, uh, a dream for your ministry, uh, something about healing, if there's something in you, then there is a due date. There is an expectancy. You've got to do something to prepare for arrival. There's got to be a hope working in you. I heard a guy give a testimony. He preached at a meeting, uh, uh, taught on faith. And a lady came. She started carrying around this big plastic uh, uh, package with a big, beautiful uh, it was the whole insert of a big, beautiful doorknob. And she'd come lugging it to church. And so somebody asked her, you know, did you forget to leave it? In she said, no, I'll carry it everywhere I go. And, and then the guy said, and the, and the pastor, it wasn't the pastor, it was a traveling minister, said, why are you doing that? She said, because you taught on expecting and believing God, and I'm believing God for a house. So I went out and bought the doorknob. And I'm just waiting for God to hook the house to it. This guy told me he came back two years later and the woman brought this picture up and said, see my house and see my doorknob right here? What are you doing to prepare for arrival? I believe there's a move of God that's going to shake this area, going to shake this world, it's going to shake nations. And I've got a dream of a building being over there on that land. I'm telling you, the papers have tried to talk us out of it. People have tried to talk. They're not going to talk us out of it. We're going to build a beautiful building over there that we're going to use as an evangelistic center. We're going to raise up missionaries. We're going to reach this area and do our part to reach the world. You say, why? I tell you, God is doing something great in our midst, and we need to be preparing for his arrival. 
I've been carrying something and carrying something and we've seen some glory and we've seen some manifestations and we've seen some good things, but we've not seen nothing yet. Now let me finish this. Oh, my time's almost up. And patience experience and experience hope. Now this is the key. And hope maketh not a shame because. Now I know, I know when we teach on the redemptive side of this and get over on the, you know, how Jesus dwells in our heart by faith. But I, let, let's stay on the faith side of this. Hope maketh not a shame because the love of God. Now let me ask you a question. Anytime those three words are mentioned together, love of God, there's never any element of inactivity to it. Now let me say that again. Anytime that phrase, the love of God, because it's not the kind of love you have for your puppy or the kind of love a man has toward his wife or a wife has uh, toward her husband. It's not the love of a, of a, of a new car or, or the love of a, you know, whatever it is that you love. It's not that. This is the agape for God so loved the active part of God that when it is expressed, the love of God, that means the activity of God, his desire towards you, his uncompromising love is what shed abroad into your heart. Why? Because hope maketh not a shame. Now, let me, let, me, let me help you with that. Everything the enemy tries to do to you, he tries to shame you. He tried to shame Pastor Lloyd, Pastor Cheryl. Name of their church is Miracle Christian Center. You can ask Leah. We've preached there for years. We've seen miracles there that were outstanding. I, I still remember. Uh, I'm sure they remember. Remember the guy that was uh, trampled, by the, trampled by the cattle and was so crippled and came up on those crutches, so crippled. And that anointing just, I think that was a New Year's Eve service. And that anointing hit him and he hit the floor and he got up totally healed. And he went around and knocked on the doors of his neighbor's and said, I want you to know I'm that man that's been crippled for five years. And I saw him at Pastor Randy and Linda's church last year when I went there and preached, still healed. And I can tell you story after story of very, and here comes the enemy and attacks them. Well, I wasn't ashamed to be connected to Pastor Lloyd and Cheryl. I've prayed with them over the phone, stood with them, gone to their church, prayed with them. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of things Pastor Sam has gone through, Pastor Randy's gone through, others have. I'm not ashamed of that. But see, the enemy tries to shame you with that. Oh, here, yeah, teaching on healing, look at you now. Teaching on prosperity, look at you now. And if you listen to his voice of shame, it will open the door for discouragement in you every time. And you'll spend your life in altar calls trying to get undiscouraged and never get undiscouraged. You may have a temporal little breakthrough because somebody with an anointing has laid hands on you. Thank God for that. But you've got to make a decision. I'm not ashamed of what I'm going through because I'm going through it. I'm going through. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He did not say I will feel no evil. And the enemy knows how much we're motivated and moved by feeling. And that's, we, we can't live like that. You say, why? Because hope maketh not ashamed. Because of the love of God. That means God is doing something. He shed that love abroad in our hearts by 
the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God that is in you and the Spirit of God is upon you is, if you will listen to, that's why it's so important to pray, to pray in tongues, to stay in the Word of God, because that voice of the Spirit will constantly speak into your spirit and say, God's working, God's moving, something's going on. You may not can see it in the natural right now, but just keep standing in faith. Just keep rejoicing. Don't, don't, don't refuse to have setbacks. Refuse to acknowledge symptoms. Just stay with it. Just stay with it. Just keep on one step after another, one step after another, one step after another, and eventually you'll get to the place because you have been prepared for victory. We have victory in Christ. We know the redemptive truths. The, the, the legalistic terminology when I say legalistic, I'm not talking about, you know, legalism. I'm talking about the legal language of redemption assures us of what the Bible calls the title deed of what belongs to us. I hit about five different translations on that. But the point is, it's God's not going to do it. He's already done it. Healing is yours. Prosperity is yours. Joy is yours. Righteousness is yours. What, are you, what do you need? It's yours. It's already yours. God has already provided it for us in Christ Jesus. Our job is to take the legal language of that and by the Holy Ghost bring that which is legally ours into the experiential realm. Uh, in, in, in Ireland one time, we have our friends from Ireland here, and I'll close with this. My time's up. Is this helping anybody? Uh, Lloyd started it, so Amen. Uh, in, uh, in Ireland one time I uh, uh, would preach some things on redemption and, and, and a guy actually was outside of the, the, the building I was at uh, there in Dublin. He, he, he approached me and he, he claimed he was a theologian. He said, you know, he's a theologian in the Catholic Church. And he said this to me. He said, uh, he said you know, what you preached tonight was really good on, on uh, what belongs to us in Christ. He says, but you know, they're only legally ours and whether God ever wants anybody to really experience that or not is based solely upon his sovereignty. Now, that's what, that's what the guy told me. And so I'm standing there. You know, after you preach, you really don't want to get into an argument with somebody. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever you believe, buddy. So, I, I, you know, I went, back and, I went back and began to think about that. And I began to think about if something is legally mine, if I have documentation to the reality of its legality, the title deed, then who's to say I'm not to experience it? And that's, I, a lot of people view that, well, uh, you know, God, God, boy, that's, that's based on the sovereignty of God. That God, God won't heal him. Listen, not everybody gets healed. I'm going to tell you, I've never preached that everybody gets healed. But I'm going to tell you one thing, everybody can be. Not everybody gets saved, but everybody can be. Not everybody prospers, but everybody can. And when I begin to see that which is legally mine in the sovereignty of God, He wants me to experience it. And that's based upon my ability to take His Word and garner faith and glory in my tribulations and let patience go to work and gain my experience and let hope make me not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost and just to walk through these things in my life day after day, month after month, year after year till Jesus takes me off or till I step into glory. That's our life and that's our lifestyle.
And if you'll realize that, you'll realize the destination is worthy of the journey. Because where we're headed is what? That, that's why I'm always amazed at people. You know, and I've even asked people the question, well, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? I said, well, that I would die. I say, Paul called it far better. Now, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live out my life and, and do what God's called me to do. But why, why do we hold that up as a threat? Amen. Whatever you're going through today, you need to make a decision to glory in the midst of your tribulation. If you've got any praise in you, you let it out. You do it publicly. You do it privately. Every time we strike up the band, and the, you ought to be the one that's shouting and praising and running and glorifying God. I've watched my wife do it. I've done it. I've watched others do it. And it will activate that patience in you. And you will gain your experience. And that hope will come alive and it won't make you ashamed. And you will be fully persuaded that what God has promised, He is also able to perform. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you today. Lord, we glorify your name. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We exalt you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your blessing. Thank you, Heavenly. Well, I'll tell them that. Okay. That, that was exactly what I had planned to preach this morning. That was exactly what I had planned to preach. I didn't know Lloyd was going to end up in Romans chapter 4. I was kind of hoping he, he wouldn't preach my message. But, you know, anytime we're in a setting like this, God's trying to speak to us. That's why I so appreciate good Pastor, Pastor Christopher yesterday, Pastor Sam last night, uh, Pastor Sam tonight. You know, it's not just a man getting up and preaching, preaching a good message. I, I got delivered from that years ago. This, this, uh, I've heard another message. Well, what did you preach last night? I, I don't know, but it's good. That, that's not going to get you anywhere. That's not going to get you anywhere. You've got to make a decision. Every time I sit down and a man gets up, and expounds on the Word of God, especially when the anointing's there. When we've worshipped God, when we've created an atmosphere, when your spirit man has become open, then you got to make a decision. I'm going to receive the Word of God because it's going to do something in me, supernatural in my life. And through that, we're changed. The Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians. We're changed from faith to faith and from glory to glory. And when you realize that, you realize that basically your life should be a glory journey. And the problem, there's too many Christians that their life is not a glory journey. It's a glory from one trial to one tribulation to one. That's just the way you look at it. It should be from one victory to the next victory to the next breakthrough to the next miracle to the next victory to the next breakthrough to the next miracle. Amen? Hallelujah. Lift your hands one more time. Father, we worship you. We thank you, Lord God, for your word working mightily in us. Oh, how we glorify you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for a spiritual working taking place during this time of Fall Harvest Conference. For the Word and the Spirit working together, Lord. Now just let's, let's, let's end like we started. Lift your hands and pray in the Spirit. Yeah, go ahead and stand on your feet. Oh, baso rebeke telemesia. Ifa bare sebre ki parata. E ramangala sabro to sobrekita.
Italaba Sabare Mesebekite Bia Bateleso Ebrakesu Telebote Isabaka Rebeteso Erabaka So come on church just pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Oh Remaki Sabara Telebot E Matasur Beketelebus Iba Surbia Peketelebetia Batalasa O Sabakate Medeleme Ipaken Denemasobrake Ibratasur Bakasurbia Paketelebete Irabakasur Batas Amatasur Beketsulebetiapa O Samanda Rebeke Robokosur Batelesotelebet O Rabakasur Rebekia Sarbate Sekelemaha E Rebeke Sotelemende Bokosur Bitia Telebehe Irabakasur Batasur Betisa Telebet Thank you Lord Jesus Thank you Lord Jesus Thank you Lord Jesus Hallelujah. If you've got a message in tongues, wave your hand at me real quick. Praise God. Do I see your hand? Go ahead, Linda. I would say, listen, listen to what you've been told. Listen to the word, because the word is what brings success and victory in your lives. You can't give up. You can't give in. You have to endure with patience. Stay the path. Stay the course, because I have so many things that I want to do and am doing. So you step into those things, and you allow yourself to be empowered with who I am, because when you do that, you're going to start seeing things change miraculously and suddenly, because these are the days I'm going to start doing things that's going to blow the minds of people around you. They're going to say, oh, my, look what God has done. Look what God is doing and if he did it for them he'll do it for me he's no respecter of persons so we're going to step into that victory because God is our victory and his name's above every name and we're going to see the glories of our God like we've never seen before as the Holy Ghost begins to rise up in this earth and rise up in this place and that place and move here and there and you'll be going with him and flowing with him and being led by the Holy Ghost and people will start seeing they'll see they'll see they'll see yes I want people to see my glory like they've never seen it before and they will see it in you and they will see it in you in this day in this hour like never before said the lord hallelujah glory to god come on rejoice 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 hallelujah now let me let me say something we'll leave I'm listening, have been listening, and I have listened to these messages over the years, I don't know, dozens of times, teaching on the gifts of the Spirit by uh, actually brother, brother and sister Goodwin, because both of them are teaching and, and, and flowing in the Holy Ghost. And so the other day, I was listening on the particular lesson on tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, Brother Goodwin made this statement, and it took me a few minutes to digest it. He made this statement. He said, the most powerful gift of the Spirit in the church is tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, when he said that, I kind of went, hmm. Because we all have this thought. Oh, if we had the, you know, like Pastor, Christ Pastor Christopher's crusades, boy, if we could have that in the church every Sunday, what a church we'd have. No, we'd have a crusade. Wouldn't be a church, it'd be a crusade. That's what those are designed for. They're designed for those crusades. 
Now, he said this when he made his next statement. It just, it did it for me. He said, of all the gifts of the Spirit, seven of them worked in both covenants. The working of a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, special faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing, and prophecy. He said, but now Jesus died and rose again and went and was seated at the right hand of the Father and received of the Father the person and the power of the Holy Ghost and poured it out upon the church, put His Spirit in through the new birth and upon through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then He made this statement. Why would you think that He would honor His Son with the least of the gifts? Now think about that for a moment. Why would you think that he would honor his son with the least of the gifts? Now, uh, my sister and my dad are here. My brother's back there. We all grew up in that church. And we can tell you by experience that the way tongues and interpretation operated in Brother and Sister J.R. Goodwin's church was incredible. It brought healing, deliverance, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. But the reason it flowed like that was two things. First of all, holiness. Holiness. Even when the church, not just the good ones, but when the church, people in the church would get into something, the Holy Ghost would move and correct it and get it cleaned up and get it holy again. Secondly, an appreciation for it. I think we've gotten too familiar with, oh, that, yeah, somebody gave a message in tongues. Oh, yeah, well, great, that's cool. Okay. No, no, an appreciation. So why don't we lift our hands and thank God that this morning with the Word being taught, that God also manifested a gift of the Spirit. And not any lesser of a gift, but the gift that the Father used to honor His Son with that's unique to our covenant and our covenant only tongues and interpretation of tongues. Why don't we thank God for that? Why don't we thank God for that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, for there are some things you're going to have to go back to in order for my spirit to move and rediscover and say, oh, this is why it's not working. And this is the, just, the adjustment that should be made. And this is how we should operate and flow. But then there are other things that you'll have to step forward into that will be the time and the way in which I move in your generation and in this season. So you must press both ways and allow my spirit to begin to break forth in that which you're doing in the miraculous, in revelation, and in what I desire to say to the church to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. And not only will you be blessed, but a new hunger will arise in people and a new desire in the hearts of those that experience these things. And it will begin to be talked about in the towns and the cafes. Did you hear? Did you see? Did you experience? And sure, some will mock and others will doubt but many will come to see my spirit in manifestation. So do not pull back, but press in 
For the days ahead are glorious for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. Well, have a good afternoon and rest and relax. Let me pray. We'll be dismissed. Thank you, Father, for your protection and safety on us, for your blessing. Lord, we thank you that, that, that each and every one of us, we claim Psalms 91, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We reverence you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, God bless you. Don't forget to... Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.